Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you for listening and making a commitment to learning. I hope everybody is doing well. I'm your host. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the fabulous long-time no-see Yvonne Brandenburg. <laughs> hey. I say that like we didn't chat yesterday, but I know, you know right? I mean? like <laughs> I know. It feels like it's been been um, a hot minute, and, I, and, and we kind of talked about it last episode i think it was last episode so i um did a cross-country road trip which was pretty cool um my uh my husband and my mom and i we we drove to see family in kansas slash missouri because apparently they're on the border which is why i couldn't remember where i was going because literally one street away from the border so that (laughs) that's why i kept being like i don't know where i'm going um so we drove it was actually really cool we like um so we drove to Phoenix and then after Phoenix, we went to Santa Fe and then Santa Fe, we stopped at like in between at this, at Dodge city, Kansas, which is hilarious that we went to Dodge city and then we're in Kansas and then we were in Kansas for four days and it was nice, like hanging out with family. And then we drove home the other way, which apparently there's two ways that are the same distance. So then we went to Denver salt lake city and then came home so we like did it in three days instead of four days and i got home not last night but the night before at like midnight or whatever it was and um yesterday was rough i was very sleepy i'm obviously still sleepy because you can kind of hear it in my voice i'm definitely still sleepy Um, but it was really cool it was just it like just the landscape was awesome and um, you know, getting out of California, it's amazing. Um, it's like three dollars less a gallon per gas. So my little hybrid did great. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at this. I actually saved more money than I thought I was gonna be spending. It was pretty, it was pretty funny. So um, yeah, but it was it was fun. Um, it was it was weird not being at work and not thinking about internal medicine for vet techs and not thinking about kind of anything like very disconnected and a much chiller pace than here so yeah 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 I don't think I did much with my two weeks um Bailey got a new floor routine so I like I paid a choreographer to come in and do her floor routine because now she's um oh she's an optional level yeah so like she doesn't have to do like a set routine like she can make up her own routine so we did that um I'm like, that's a thing sounds so crazy i don't know <laughs> yeah um shout out means... to all you parents because i don't know how you guys do all this stuff and keep like all of the like activities straight i, I can't i don't, I don't well get there's it. a reason why only one of my children's in activities like we don't have time <laughs> for connor to do his own activity oh my god that's so funny i know because you were saying she's going up to five days a week now yeah so starting next week we're going to be going five days a week that's Um, so crazy yeah so that'll be she's not really looking forward to it it would just be a lot easier like if gymnastics was only 10 minutes away instead of 40 
like oh yeah because you guys are farther out now yeah so we just get home later than like normal like i think practice will end at eight and so we won't get home until like 8 45 almost nine o'clock and like so it'll just make our days longer um which is fine she wants to do it and well now she has to do it because i paid money for this floor routine so (laughs) (laughs) you're you're signed up kid (laughs) yeah we're we're officially in otherwise oh crazy i've just been working yeah yeah my dad moved out because he was living with us for a little bit so he moved out and closed on his new house in tennessee oh wow yeah he's got several acres out in tennessee and i was gonna go visit him this weekend but then i changed my mind Um, how far is he from you now it's like six hours six and a half hours oh wow so significant (laughs) compared to just to pop over to their house (laughs) yeah they they like specifically found a place though that was like halfway like it's six hours six and a half hours for me to get to them and then six and a half hours for my brother to get to them from ohio so that way they can like they try to find like a nice middle point so that's cool Mm -hmm. that's nice way to way to think that through parents good job yeah they did did a good job so um, they're like we're not favoring either one of you (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's so funny which is Uh, funny because like i've lived within 10 minutes of them for the past 15 years right yeah (laughs) um yeah so (laughs) now they're a little bit closer to my brother and um I find it ironic because my brother and I both moved to new houses with the land a year ago in August. Mm. Um, literally, we closed on our houses within three days of each other. So, it's oh my like, gosh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, and then my dad moved out. Like he brought a U-Haul to my house to move out. Um, on our one-year anniversary of living in this house, and like so, he closed on his house six days after. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Our one-year anniversaries of living in our houses, and I was like apparently nobody in our family can just do things like on our own like, right almost, like a group activity of <laughs> buying houses and oh, yeah, so funny. acreage and stuff so that's awesome yeah it. so i don't know i'm gonna go visit them in october or something and actually see like fall colors which will be interesting oh yeah because we don't really get much of a fall here yeah so, yeah I was like I was just thinking about how different the west coast was from even the middle like when you speak of fall colors like we don't we don't really have fall colors um but it was so dry like every water anything we drove by was super low and then we get to like Kansas and it's just lush green Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's like water everywhere you're like huh is this what water on the ground looks like it's very interesting <laughs> yeah so, it's been very wet here lately like we can't even mow our grass it's so wet like it's just i can't remember the last time it rained here so i'm sure it's on one of our podcasts because i think it like the last time it was like... <laughs> probably <laughs> it was a very significant event and i'm like oh my god it's raining <laughs> it's probably exactly how that went <laughs> yeah so we did have a review though of the podcast which is great so it's titled awesome podcast uh i really enjoy the podcast i should be listening to it more often but don't always have the time preach 
I mean, <laughs> I think that's all of us, <laughs> but it is so worth it when I can listen to it. I've learned so much and it is helping me prepare for my new job at a specialist and emergency hospital. So wow. far, I only work in GP. The podcast is really helping me with different and new things that we don't ever see in GP. Thank you so much. I'm in New Zealand. And that was from Laura. I'm going to say it's Laura. I think it's Laura. Um, which is funny because it says I'm in New Zealand, but like when it's tagged by Apple Podcasts, it says Canada. Yeah, I saw that. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Those, those countries aren't really that close to each other. Unless <laughs> I just don't really remember my social studies classes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hmm. I'm picturing the globe. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Thank you, Laura, for that. Um, I, I, it's better than um the last review that has been up there for a while that we yeah. were unlistenable yeah 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 <laughs> so thank you um and then just as a reminder for um those of you that are in the membership um or those of you that are not in the membership if you'd like to join us you are welcome to um so we are doing our monthly ce in september on the 10th right i think it's saturday the 10th yep um, and we're going to be talking about Addison's, so you can definitely join us for that. Um, <clears throat> if you join the newsletter, uh, we can definitely get you the invitation through there. Um, it's it's going to be a Zoom meeting, and we'll, we'll do our CE. Um, if you are not a member, you can pay for um, it. It's I think we're doing currently we're doing $9.99 um, for CE, so it's a one-hour race-approved CE. Um, so you're welcome to come join us and the members remember you get to join for free. It's part of being in the membership. So, um, you know, sign up if you guys would like to join us and, and, um, get, get your learn on. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, this week on the podcast, we're talking about bacteria. (laughs) Oh God. I know. I know. I, I was doing these notes too. And like these notes were so interesting because it's like, it's like what we've been talking about, right? Like it yeah. might affect the pet, but it might not. Like it's like, it's one of those things that they can have and get and like, yeah, either like nothing happens or like, oh, or the worst. worst. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're either okay or you're really, really, really not. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're talking about Campylobacteriosis is the real term for it. I condition of Campylobacter. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I'm gonna call it Campylobacter for the episode. Yeah. Seriously. But it is um an intestinal infection caused by bacteria caused by specific bacteria Campylobacter jejuni or well and Campylobacter upsalienesis. Uh, like, are we upselling? Like, what is up- upsalienesis? <laughs> uh, there's way more different like strains of this bacteria, but these are the two most common mm. that cause like significant issues. Because um, I think when we test for it, it says Campylobacter, and it just says SPP, right? Like, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like trying to like, remember like lab work that I've seen. I mean, it's like all bacteria, right? Like they yeah. have so many different types of strains and, um, but the jejuni is the most common and that one, luckily I can say pretty easily. Uh, <laughs> um, it is a major cause of enteritis in humans. Um, mm. So it is zoonotic. 
and it can be considered normal bacteria in the intestinal tract of a lot of animals and birds. Um, I like that they separated animals and birds, like birds aren't animals, but like... That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I think they were just trying to drive the point home that it's in birds because a lot of this transmission is from undercooked chicken and turkey and stuff. So it's like... Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So... um, but this type of bacteria, it's a spiral, it's a microaerobic gram-negative bacteria. And what it does is it causes gastroenteritis in people and in animals. Um, and then several different strains of the Campylobacter are zoonotic. Not all of them, but several of them. Do you, uh, um, did it mention anything about reverse zoonosis or is it just like from animals to people? That's a did, good question. Didn't mention it. That's okay. So, I mean, like what it was basically going into, and we'll talk about it a little bit, but uh, is like, so poultry and meat products are the main sources of human Campylobacter infection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the main source, but humans can get it from their dogs by fecal oral ingestion. Right. Wash your hands. Nasty. Wash your hands. Um, <clears throat> yeah. It did say most, uh, like... No, I didn't read too much about if humans can give it to dogs because I just imagine that humans use the potty, right? And so the fecal oral ingestion shouldn't be an issue. And they should be washing their hands. Hopefully if you're out camping, you're taking care of it. That would be horrible if you were camping. And had Campylobacter. (laughs) Campylobacter. Oh, God. You're like, I'm going home. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, so dogs can get it, though, by the same way people get get it, like, from undercooked meats and stuff, mm. um, and a lot of time that is becoming more common than the fecal-oral ingestion of dogs getting it from undercooked poultry. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Raw diets. <laughs> I know, right? Yay! Um, <laughs> anyway, so Campylobacter can persist for long periods in the feces um it can also be found in milk water and urine especially at temperatures close to four degrees celsius um which i should be better at because like i work with people who are familiar with celsius um but that would be about 39 degrees fahrenheit which is not like to me that's like is that in the fridge? I don't even know. That's what I like. I feel like that's a warm fridge. That's like yeah, that's a, a that's a not working properly fridge. But it says up to right, so it's like oh, mm. temperatures close to so. So like that thirty nine forty degrees is like perfect. That's where they thrive. They're like yeah. So if you have a warm fridge or a cooler, like if you're taking stuff in the cooler, oh, you know, because like a cooler is never as cold as a fridge. Yeah gross um anyway on your camping trip (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that really would be the worst and it's so funny because my husband is fighting like some gi virus right now like at first he thought it was food poisoning yesterday and then like he got to work because like he never calls that work and he got to work and i guess like he was explaining to his team like hey listen like just so you know like i'm not on the top of my game today everybody was like oh yeah me too i have some gi thing and i was like oh man i swear if the kids and i get some gi thing i'm gonna be so then i'm doing these notes and i was like i wonder if he has campylobacter from the chickens (laughs) oh god 
And then I was thinking, what if he had roundworms from the chickens? Oh, God. I know. (laughs) Anyway, I got to... We might just do a general deworming of the entire house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um. Anyway, infection of the Campylobacter jejuni is, like I said, one of the most common causes of gastroenteritis in people. Um. And that that is worldwide, and it is most extensively studied Campylobacter species. Um. Which we kind of talked about. And then, like I said, so transmission tends to be more food or waterborne or fecal oral spread. Mm. Um. <clears throat> yeah dogs are gross yeah yeah well i feel bad because it's like it's not like they go outside and come in and wash their paws you know what i mean like but i'm thinking of those ones that something it's like specifically like poop. eat poop like well, i wonder yeah, yeah for sure i'm assuming other animals do it too but like you ever wonder if like back in the like you know cavemen times uh-huh like if they were gross like that like because food was scarce right like Ugh, i don't want to i know i don't <laughs> want to wonder about that and i don't want to <laughs> i can't help where my brain wanders off to like i just so like it doesn't matter it's unnecessary rhetorical questions but like but what if but what if right like yeah what if uh, anyway um dogs do tend to become infected by ingesting um infected feces or infected food as i said the infected food is kind of starting to get up there with the infected feces um so that raw meat or contaminated water tends to be those main sources and then um research does show though that of course like I kind of said at the beginning of the episode, this bacteria can be found in both healthy and sick dogs. So it suggests that the organism's not always a primary cause of illness in the dog. So, yeah, I know like, um, I know like my internist, she, if she saw that, she didn't always like think that that was going to be the issue. Cause it's like, it's so common like yeah. it's it, it's everywhere it's kind of like uh, it's just everywhere i mean we've yeah. talked about it like with fungus and stuff like some pets will be exposed to it and never show a symptom so well, and i think that. too there's that whole like gastric biome like balance too mm-hmm. right like you may have it in there but it's like demodex right like it's not a problem until for some reason there's more of them that your body can't handle or like it's just a couple it's not a big deal or they're okay yeah. but if it's like if there's an overgrowth of them yeah that then becomes an issue or dogs do show symptoms but then it resolves pretty easily on its own like mm-hmm. it it's very it's one of those hit or miss diseases <laughs> like it probably just... depends on the health in general of the guts <laughs> yeah and so what happens when um it does when it when this bacteria is ingested is typically the gastric acid will provide a barrier Mm -hmm. um and destroy the bacteria but if the bacteria is strong enough then it what it tries to do is it reaches the small and large intestines and then it multiplies there Mm -hmm. and then it will invade both the epithelial cells and the cells within the lamina propria 
which I was like, oh, going deep back into anatomy here. I know. I was like, whoo, I think we talked about that. Uh, I don't even know what episode that was, but that was the GI basics episode. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting, though, because like what happens and this is like what happens with most of those bacteria and, and things. It's like you get that back damage to the epithelial lining. You get sloughing. So like yeah. the university is gross ulceration and then you get the edema and then you've got that edema in the intestines causes more like fluid loss and less nutrition uptake and it's you know the diarrhea Mm -hmm. and then it can actually form we talked about i don't remember what episode i think Mm -hmm. it may have been the parvo episode about the crypts um in the intestines and that's yeah yeah and then so they can get those little areas can get abscesses um and so finding damage like if a biopsy is taken finding damage Mm. to the cryptoepithelium are common findings um so we'll kind of talk about bummer yeah so i mean like it can get bad (laughs) yeah depending on how bad the infection is yeah and then how large the burden of the bacteria is too but like as you said if a pet has pretty healthy normal gut flora then fines might be mild uh, a lot of domestic animals can actually develop acute gastroenteritis um, if they ingest Campylobacter. So this can include dogs, cats, uh, cattle, like calves specifically, sheep, pigs, which I was reading a little bit on the pigs, and I don't know why. I just went down like a rabbit hole. Um, rabbits are not on the list, but ferrets, minks, and monkeys, as well as a lot of laboratory animals are. Um, mm, so I'm just thinking just all rodents can get it right yeah uh we'll talk mostly about the dog just because it's that's that's what we do that's what we norm well and that's like what like the i talk about cats a little bit down here um but typically dogs like if 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 pets are going to be affected it's going to be a dog typically or a young cat but we'll talk about it Mm -hmm. um but usually what we see is like a watery to mucoid diarrhea. So pretty common. Um, we can see straining. We can see blood in the stool. Due to the straining, we can see um, pets acting restless or uncomfortable due to abdominal cramping or pain, lethargy, and even fever because it is an infection, right? Mm. Um, and then we can see decreased appetite as well just due to the abdominal pain. Um the diarrhea can last for a week or more. Uh, and then typically, not typically, but what can happen is a pet will relapse suddenly, like after the dog appears to recover. So it's one of those things mm. where like they do all the right steps, take all the right steps, feeding a bland diet maybe. Um, and then once they like switch back to the regular food, then the diarrhea comes back kind of thing. <laughs> mm. Or like they're giving probiotics or something for a little bit or giving a antibiotic. Um, and then the diarrhea comes back when they're done. Uh, diarrhea usually is acute, but like I said, can be reoccurring. And then, like I said, it can last a week or more. So the range typically is about five to 15 days with the most common clinical signs, um, being in dogs that are less than six months old. Mm, That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Same thing for cats. Cats typically are less than six months old, will commonly have diarrhea, which might be bloody, but some infected cats show no signs at all so just like dogs Mm. occasionally the diarrhea will become even more chronic and accompanied by a fever and an increased white blood cell count when we check 
labs. Um, but again, occasionally. Many dogs, many dogs appear unaffected, though, by Campylobacter. And if they do show symptoms, it's often self-limiting, requiring no medical intervention. Or it's one of those things where it's like, metronidazole might get thrown at it, and then the dog really does improve. And we'll talk about it a little bit more, but like, the metronidazole didn't fix it. Like, the dog just self-improved. <laughs> mm. um, so... There has been, it's been shown that um, in dogs specifically, the bacteria can be isolated when there's like a profuse and odorless hemorrhagic vaginal discharge from late pregnancy abortions in dogs. That's crazy. So. There is the potential. There is the potential in bitches that it can cause abortions and cause a hemorrhagic vaginal discharge that's gross poor dogs <laughs> bacteria is gross <laughs> i mean like i'm not surprised though it's just like yeah. one of those things where it's just like bacterial overgrowth yeah yeah i didn't read anything about fecal tra- like i don't think a fecal transplant would be necessary in these cases because it seems so I guess we'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> differential diagnosis, though, for these guys can be... All the GI diarrhea things. Well, and especially like parvo, because the dogs are typically under mm-hmm. six months of age. Uh, foreign body, gastritis, which gastritis is a symptom and not a diagnosis, but like... Yeah. Well, and it's like all those those GI diseases we've been talking about recently, right? Yeah. So, and regular um, intestinal parasites like hookworms, roundworms. Yeah. Um, all the things. Toxin on the list. Yeah. So I, I didn't put too much for the differential diagnosis because like everything for GI is going to be <laughs> on the list. <laughs> I know. It's like all the GI. <laughs> I feel like foreign body and parvo would be higher up there because of the abdominal pain and like the sloughing. And, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so diagnostics, though, are, we're going to do our basic workup because like I said, sometimes we can see that elevated white cell count if there's a fever present. And if there's a fever present, we're going to want to check our organ function and our hydration status as well. Um but we're well, also and gonna... it's also making sure there's not something else underlying that's making it so that this disease is more readily able to take over. Right? I've never, I've never come across anybody who wouldn't do a basic workup. I know, I'm just like, it's like, internal medicine and basic yeah. workup. <laughs> Let's just do fecal PCR just right off the bat without yeah. testing anything else. <laughs> Seriously, um, we do want to do a fecal test though, like a fecal float, looking for parasites. But typically, Campylobacter is going to be diagnosed by like a PCR test of the feces yeah. that can demonstrate the presence of Campylobacter. But a fecal culture specifically uh, is going to make a more definitive diagnosis just because a lot of healthy dogs can carry this bacteria without being sick. So you want to do a fecal culture. Um, And that's a lot of those times where you do a PCR and you see that it's positive for Campylobacter, but they're like, if they're not showing signs, then you would want to do a fecal culture to see if the bacteria is actually like causing, yeah, causing issues. Hmm. yeah um the 
test though, the fecal culture specifically is often performed when there's chronic persistent or severe cases of diarrhea that don't respond to like our normal treatment therapies. Uh, so you, you kind of mentioned it where like, if it shows up positive on a PCR and a dog is normal, like you're not going to do much else after that. No, it's unlikely term. you're going to do a fecal culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's actually pretty surprising that despite the fact that this bacteria is, well, I mean, I guess it makes sense. The bacteria is really common, right? So the the two most common ones, the jejuni and the upsalianesis, <laughs> are resistant to many antibiotics. Uh, so a lot of times erythro erythromycin or tylosin are going to be the treatment of choice in dogs, mm. not our typical metronidazole go-to. Um, and there's actually a bunch of new studies coming out about metronidazole. Have you seen those? Not recent ones. So I'll have to look at them. Yeah, just saying about how metronidazole can cause like long term. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been around for a while, but it's just like, it seems like I'm there. Those articles are popping up more and more again lately. I think it's because everybody's just go to is like, metronidazole, let's do it forever. Yay. And you're like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Antibiotic stewardship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, although antibiotics, aren't technically going to shorten the duration of the like of the disease of the disease signs of the diarrhea it can reduce the number of bacteria that's excreted in the stool so therefore you're going to reduce the risk of reinfection to other pets or members of the house um, when put on antibiotics however even after antibiotic therapies some animals might still colonize the bacteria and become persistent shedders of course yeah yeah it's like uh what were we talking about was it pan no it wasn't pan it was corona in cats oh uh was it corona i don't remember now or was it pan luke i think it was pan luke too many gi like i know we did it (laughs) (laughs) we definitely did it i can't keep track of them um Anyway, the goal of treatment for our pets, though, that we are going to treat for Campylobacter is really just to reduce the risk of zoonotic transmission to humans. Um, And antibiotic therapy alone, of course, like we've talked about it, it's not going to be adequate to really reduce the spread because like although bacteria reduces the load that's shed of the bacteria, really control is going to involve like removal of the feces and just cleaning the environment, washing your hands. Um, It says prospective fecal testing just to make sure that we can keep an eye on the shedding status of the bacteria. But again, realistically, like clients aren't going to do that. They're not going to be continuously running those PCR or fecal culture tests because they're expensive. Mm. Um, So it's really just going to be practicing good hygiene. So removing that feces from the yard on a regular basis, cleaning soiled areas in the house, um, hosing down the lawn, and then laundering bedding frequently. And then, of course, as I said, hand washing, especially after handling an infected dog. This one, (laughs) this one gets me because I'll never, I'll never do this, but discouraging an infected dog from licking people's faces especially those faces of children but like man i love dog kisses <laughs> yeah 
I mean, like, if my dog had Campylobacter, I'd probably be like, nah, you probably shouldn't lick my face. And I don't let the puppies lick my face because they eat poop. And I've seen them eat poop. So yeah. it's like, I do limit it. It's just like, man, I love kisses. Uh, my caution for this week is going to be the obvious that this is zoonotic and we need to wash our hands. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like, when we're talking about the raw food, right? Because, I mean... That's that's a big caution is proper handling of raw food. Um, Whether that's raw food and you're cooking it, right? Like that's, it's still raw prior. Um, Or if you decide to feed raw food, which if you listen to any episodes of this podcast, you know how Jordan and I feel about that. I mean, the problem is, is like, there's there's such a risk with raw food of of multiple bacteria um because if you're not cooking it that's that's they're just going to be more prevalent yeah Um, so making sure to wash your hands if you are feeding raw food don't leave it hanging out in the bowl all day because you're guaranteeing some kind of bacteria growing on it like you know if you're not going to eat it like out of a bowl like why would you be okay with your dogs and cats eating it out of a bowl so um yeah yeah which means like you can wear gloves while handling this type of food and then wash your hands afterwards please i'm not gonna go on a soapbox but please don't wear gloves and then still touch your face with the dirty gloves on it because that makes the gloves pointless right i've seen i saw so many people do that during like covid and stuff and it really just like bothered me Mm. Like, I saw people, like, driving with gloves on and then still touching their face. Like, they would go grocery shopping. They were wearing gloves grocery shopping, which I completely understand, right? Like, grocery stores are dirty. But then they wouldn't take off their gloves to get in their car and put their hands on their steering wheel and then take off their face with their dirty gloves or take off their mask with their dirty gloves. So, anyway, that's just a soapbox that... I'm just going to leave right there. <laughs> That's um, like a proper, proper handling with gloves. Yeah. It's not to protect you. It's to protect everything. Yeah. It's the tip of the week. You know, those PCR tests really are great tools. And I feel like we don't utilize them a lot. They are expensive. But, like, we do have a lot of cases, speaking of, like, the metronidazole stuff, where, like, a dog goes on metronidazole things improve metronidazole stopped and then we just restart metronidazole because the dog improved on it without really investigating why the diarrhea came back after the metronidazole was finished so my tip of the week is going to be to really push for those fecal pcr tests you know in in situations like that because yeah because i i wouldn't necessarily jump to it immediately no if you've got a recurrent case like yeah okay let's 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 dive a little deeper into this yeah like we shouldn't be using like your first sign is that we improved on an antibiotic and then it came back like like yvonne said i definitely wouldn't go for a pc like i wouldn't do a pcr on my dog just for a one-time occurrence of diarrhea but like (laughs) no and now for the question of the week what is something we're we're running out not running out we're running low on ideas for episodes so what is something that you guys would like to hear about mind you we do have the next like couple months planned out but like after that i would love to hear from 
everybody on what they would like us to talk about. We have some really cool episodes coming up with some guests that I'm super excited about. I know those are going to be fun. Um, and then, yeah, we'll need ideas for like the beginning of the year. Yeah. Which is crazy. And we've got, let's see, Vet Tech Week is coming up in October. Oh my so God. I know. I'm oh like, my it's coming God. up soon. <laughs> um, so we've got that coming up. We've got some stuff planned for that. Um, what else? What else? Yeah. Yeah. We would love to know what, what are some things you might want to hear about? Um, and as long as we haven't already talked about it, because <laughs> right. some people have suggested things. I'm like, oh, we have an episode for that. Right. We, here. we've only done 137 episodes. So it's That's like, all. yeah, all. no big deal. We do have, <laughs> we do have some content out there, yeah. <laughs> like, which is understandable why we're like struggling to come up with some <laughs> ideas. The, the, they might start getting really, really granular. Like, oh, so we're going to talk about this today, but. So I wouldn't mind doing like a whole anatomy and physiology series. Just go through like (laughs) details of my anatomy and physiology book. But I mean like true, like not like the anatomy and physiology of like, I mean, we talk about a little bit like normal, like bladder Mm -hmm. say whatever. And then like what happens when like bacteria invades the bladder, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know, something Mm -hmm. to consider. We'll think about this. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, have a wonderful week. We hope you get your learn on. Um, hopefully, you know, you don't have any patients that are too crazy with the Campylobacter. And Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. This was a shorter episode, so I do apologize. But, I mean, like, you know, bacteria. So <laughs> It's like it's one bacteria. causes diarrhea. It may or may not cause diarrhea. <laughs> is the, the gist of the episode. So. Yeah. All right. We will talk with you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening and uh, have a good week. All right. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.